Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Now, coming up later, have you noticed a squawking flock of exotic-looking birds recently? Well, if you have, you're not the only one. I'll be talking to Dan Fletcher of St Albans RSPB to find out all about green parakeets. Now, we heard earlier in the year the sad news that, along with so many other events, this year's St Albans Sustainability Festival was being cancelled. However, what the Sustainability Festival Committee didn't know at the time was that the groups who had organised events would use their ingenuity and imagination to move or repurpose some of their events to enable them to go ahead in spite of lockdown. Now, some events went online, like the Festival Pub Quiz, but one school got their thinking caps on and came up with something that could involve all pupils in a growing project that would result in something the whole school could enjoy. I spoke to Katie Hamilton, Vice Chair of Lee Primary School, PTA, to find out more. What had uh, Lee Primary and Nursery PTA got planned for the Sustainability Festival? Uh, Well, we were going to um, be working with some of the younger children, making mini beast hotels um, and hopefully starting a compost heap. Um, We've got an outdoor classroom at the school and a pond and wildlife area that the PTA uh, fundraised for a few years ago. And that's nice and established now. So we were going to um, really do some work on the the kind of mini beasts up there all together. And when that couldn't happen, we had to sort of think again um, because we still wanted to do some sort of environmental project. Okay, so the start of lockdown came, the Sustainability Festival was cancelled. Um, what did you do then? Um, well, Helen Carter, another um, parent and um, very talented craftswoman who's very into uh, woodwork and environmental projects, um, she had the idea uh, after a trip to Kenya, actually, um, that, at, that getting children to plant trees was was kind of um, the, a way forward for um, our local environment and making a very small change could have a huge difference. So um, she came back and thought about that and found out about um, the willow, so some willow wands that you could buy, which are basically cuttings of willow that um, in a short time could be grown um, into little trees. So we were thinking about this idea um, and I, I'm also, I run the gardening club at the school, so we kind of share quite an environmental interest there. My dad was also a big willow worker, so uh, maybe it's in my blood. But um, we were interested in this. Um, and then it sort of came along just at the time in March um, that we were starting to realise school was likely to, to be closing. And we thought that this might be a nice project in the meantime to be able to sell the willow ones for a bit of fundraising to families. Um, so they bought what was essentially a twig um, or looked like a twig. And they took them home and grew them in the few weeks, um, in sort of eight or nine weeks um, in the meantime. Then we asked them to bring them back um, in whatever state they were in. Some of them were really tall. Some of them had been grown in jam jars. Some of them um, were sort of st- yeah, quite sturdy little trees. Um, some people even brought us cuttings from theirs because they'd grown so tall. Um, but uh, altogether, we sold 110 trees or willow wands, and we got back um, about 50 of them. Some people chose to keep their own or some were non-starters. Um, but we were really pleased to get um, almost 50 little trees back last week, which um, we then went to ahead with planting in the school grounds. Um, and the plan really is to have this as an ongoing living willow um, creation on the field. We've made a tunnel um, or two parallel lines of the trees and sort of a wavy arch. And we're hoping to 
that they will grow and uh, over the summer and by September we will have a, a sort of a, an archway a tunnel for the children to play with. Fantastic. So the children took their, their little sticks of willow back. Did they have to have a garden to, to grow their willow in? Um, no, that was the nice thing, really, that um, although we were all sort of apart, um, it didn't matter really where people were, if they had a jam jar on the kitchen windowsill um, or a pot. We asked them not to plant them in the ground if they wanted to bring them back because the roots might break. But some people put them in pots, some people put them in yogurt pots. Um, all kinds of containers, whatever they, whatever anyone had, really. Um, if people didn't have pots and soil, we gave them some. Um, by this point, some families were also self-isolating already if they were um, had any symptoms. So we did some people we delivered to their doorsteps the um, willow wand with some instructions and a flower pot and some soil, um, and they they took them in and nurtured them to bring them back once they were. Uh, sort of about yeah eight I mean it must have taken quite a lot of work I mean the weather has been extremely dry it must have involved lots of watering did the children mind doing this at home I think the children really enjoyed it actually lots of families um kept us up to date on our Facebook page we would sort of see how people were getting on and people sent pictures um or gave us updates and um I think it was a really nice project and some of the younger children loved seeing the roots grow perhaps if they were growing them in a vase or a jam jar um and it was a real kind of um, nice way of keeping us all together um, in a simple way. But yeah, they did need a bit of looking after. Some of them dried out a bit, but Willow's quite um, resilient. Most of them came back. And um, yeah, we're very glad of the rain this week to, to bed them in a bit. Yes, I, I bet you are. So you've got your willows planted in the ground. And as you say, you've got the startings of your lovely willow tunnel. And the children, of course, are back at school. Are, are they, well, obviously, it, we've, we've had a bit of rain, which has been very welcome. But are they, are they taking charge of the care of the, of the tunnel now, making sure it's watered? That's right, yes. Yeah. So um, Mr Berry, the head teacher, kindly agreed to let us sort of dig up the part of the field that we wanted to put it on. And then um, that was last week and we um, had some, uh, our own children, a couple of them helping us. Um, and we were sort of trying to manage with social distancing um, to, to plant with a couple of parents. We managed that, but then it was very dry and the soil was really hard to dig. But um, the children who are in school now, it's actually been really nice. They're um, watering the willow for us um, and there isn't a tap that near it. So they've had to be quite inventive about getting getting the water up onto the field. Um, but they've done a great job. And I think that that's been a really nice thing for them, that it's going to be something that they've been part of. Um, and it's a real collective effort when it um does actually grow um, when we can form the yes, sculpture. Yes, indeed. I mean, the children proud of what they've done. It, it, as you say, it does seem like a, a lovely thing where they've all put quite a lot of effort in, but actually together have also made a rather lovely thing. Yes, I, I think they are. And also from them bringing in their one sort of little pot, and like I said, some of them in you know whatever pots they had, or some of them maybe didn't look like huge trees. Um, I think when we put them all together, actually they're, they're going to be really impressed. And it, it's almost a blessing that um, we're not all at school now because I think there'll be a nice surprise in September um hopefully when they when there's something to look at there I'm sure it will thank you very much indeed for telling us about this lovely project thank you I was talking there to Katie Hamilton vice chair of Lee Primary School PTA and what a fabulous idea that is Now, there were reports on social media at the weekend that a flock of about 40 big, noisy parrots was touring Marshallswick and causing a bit of a row. To find out more about these birds, I spoke to Dan Fletcher of St Albans RSPB. Dan, just to start off with, where do the green parakeets come from? I mean, where did they come from originally? 
Okay, so um, the parakeets that you're referring to are often known as ring-necked parakeets or rose-ringed parakeets. There, there are various urban myths about where they maybe came from. There's one, one uh, story that Jimi Hendrix released two parakeets, one called Adam, one called Eve, in Carnaby Street in the, in the swing 60s in 1968. Um, or that it might have been much earlier than that, a, a flock escaped from the set of... Um, um, Bogart and Hepburn's African Queen when it was being filmed at Shepparton Studios back in 1951. I hadn't realised uh, they were quite so showbiz. Yes, wow. yeah, or, or even some people say they escaped from uh, George Michael's Avery in the Great Storm of 1987. Um, <laughs> The the reality, well, those all of those things may may be true, but the reality is that um, they were first recorded in in the country in Dulwich in 1893, um, and Dulwich being um, near near the Thames, they 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 were probably um, brought into the country um, much before then um, on 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 various uh, ships that that that, uh, plied their trade um, with London. um, And uh, and where did they where where did they come from originally? So they they come from an area. Including Africa and, and Southern Asia, so they've, they're quite widespread um, right. across the world, um, and not just. Although they look like a tropical bird, they they also uh, um, are found in the Himalayan foothills. So, so they do like um, so environments actually, that are yeah. that are, are colder, like like, like they're they are in this country. They're actually a bit more at home than we think. Then, I yes, mean, yeah. um, so so. So what do they eat whilst they're here? Then, so they they will eat all sorts of things. They do eat um, nuts fruit, berries, that, that sort of thing. Um, and so we often do see them on, on garden bird feeders. Uh, they, they have done well because of uh, the, the amount of food that, that uh, people put out into their gardens. Yeah. Um, and they will also uh, eat, eat, eat some, some um, you know, they're, they're omnivorous, so, so they'll eat insects if, if they find them as well. Right. They are a, a hole nesting bird, so they, they tend to nest in cavities in, in trees. Um, and um, so they, they, to some extent, compete with um, with other birds, woodpeckers, right. nuthatches, um, even uh, uh, starlings that, that that nest in trees. They they started, um, although they, they were first um, recorded in Dulwich, um, large colonies started to build up in the Kingston area in London in the 90s. Um, and then they started to move sort of north and east for, from there, um, particularly in the last 10 years, they, they, they've spread spread. E- e- yeah, a, a I think that, that the, the first time I remember seeing one when I saw one flying over my allotment at Cotton Mill once, and I think that was about fifteen years yes, ago. Yes, yeah, that 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 would be be about, about right, and yeah. and then they've sort of uh, yeah, they're they're now um, incredibly common, but they've managed to find certainly in London, which has lots of green space, and then in the home counties, which yes. is also quite a lot of green space, they yeah. found plenty of tree cavities to nest in, plenty of food, um, and and they're 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 doing really well. There are about eight thousand six hundred pairs right. recorded in the country. Um, which is actually a, a reasonable population given their that given is quite their distribution. And how about locally? We do we know sort of as a local population how many live sort of around the St Albans area? So the the exact number we're, we're not so sure on, but um, they do tend to be in the south southern part of the county. Um, so Watford, um, uh, St Albans, and then then moving up, up towards towards Hatfield and, and Welling Garden City. And certainly um, people in, in St Albans will probably be familiar with seeing um, them flying over their houses or in dusk in heading in an easterly direction and maybe coming back um, in, in, in the morning at dawn um, um, flying westerly because there's a, there's a large roost that um, has formed 
somewhere between Stanborough Lakes and Tesco, Hatfield Tesco, um, and up to 550 have been seen there on, on, on one occasion. Somebody was counting and, and, and saw them all come in. Wow. They come in dribs and drabs, so you, so you yes. see a flock of five, a flock of 10, maybe a flock of 20, 25 coming in for, from all angles yeah. um, and and they, they, they all roost as a noisy gathering there and wow. then leave in the morning. That um, sounds like quite a, quite a bird spectacle, actually, if you were yes. over that way. Yes, yeah. it is. And, and even seeing them, if you're out up early in the morning, seeing them come, a, yeah. come out... Um, from from that um yeah they 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 chat they yeah. they're noisy and um and and they're quite green distinctive actually quite distinctive, they're, they're, yeah. they are and they're quite big birds so they are quite easy to spot and as you say they they've been around here for quite a long time have have we noticed any effect on well for for instance things like the woodpeckers or the um other birds they might be competing with so the the jury is 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 out as to whether there is a a, a real detrimental effect to to other wildlife or not um Certainly, they 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 do compete, um, but there are also lots of trees and lots of um, lo- lots of lots of holes in trees for for birds to nest in. Uh, the, the sort of the general view is that um, probably wildlife is more at risk from uh, from us, from humans, and from what we do with 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 the natural world yeah. than they are at risk for from um, the parakeets that have uh, um, that, that have have uh, they are invasive species, but they 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 they're not. Um, yeah. Not invasive in, in, in the way that some, cert- some animals I mean, might be. You certainly be. still see woodpeckers around, so perhaps yeah. they're um, coexisting largely. Yeah, I, th- I think I think you're right that, that, that there is there is that coexisting. Um, some people do find them a nuisance on their bird feeders, um, and yeah. you know, they they I've are big it, and they're, I've they're had bulky. Listeners asking about that, I mean, should we? Do, will they deter smaller birds? Should we try and I don't know, frighten them away or? So there, there are things that you can do in the same way that you can deter squirrels from your bird feeders. There, there are some some types of of um, bird f- food hangers. Um, you, you are able to um, make them um, sort of parakeet. Uh, they, uh, they, uh, uh, or anti-parakeet. Yes, they, they, they sort of like, um, they close up when something heavy yes, the, the comes the ones with the sort of the spring on them. It's, 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 the, it's, the, same, it's the same effect that, that uh, yeah. they have for squirrels as well. Indeed. Well, that, that's good too. Very interesting. So for the minute, you know, we just enjoy which what is a, a, a new bird making itself at home here. And at the minute, nothing too much to worry about as far as other birds go. Nothing too much, but uh, the studies are being done on 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 them, and, and over time we may learn more. But at this point in time, um, the, the jury is definitely out on whether they're a pain or a pest or or, or something to uh, to enjoy looking at from their their vibrant colours. I was talking there to Dan Fletcher of St Albans RSPB. Just a quick reminder, have you entered the St Albans Eve Flower Show yet? No? Well, me neither, but we've got until the end of the week to get our photos in and share the lovely things we've got growing in our gardens at the moment. There's classes for containers, hanging baskets, veg, and even a class for children's picture. So there's no excuses. Don't be shy. Come on, share those gorgeous blooms and help raise much-needed cash for Rennie Grove Hospice. It's a great local charity and can only continue the essential work it does if we serve support them. So head over to RadioVerulam.com and enter. 
Coming up on Friday lunchtime, St Albans Green Party have an online webinar. Environmentalist Kate Cody will give a passionate and inspiring talk about her own environmentally conscious lifestyle, which includes rarely sending anything to landfill. You can find out how Kate Cody, who is a lifelong environmentalist, East Waste Reducer, Town and Borough Councillor and writer of the Eco Cody blog, does it. The organisers say it will be a light-hearted presentation with plenty of tips and encouragement if you are interested in achieving something similar. So do head over to the St Albans Green Party website to sign up for this free event. And if you've got a pile of stuff to be recycled, you'll be keen to know that the Ronson's Way Waste and Recycling Centre opens at 10 o'clock tomorrow, Thursday. I'm sure you don't need me to point out that it might be a bit busy for the first few days. And there are roadworks planned on Sandridge Road between the 28th of June and the 5th of July, uh, which will probably add to the chaos. Now, if you didn't hear last week's show, St Albans Council Waste and Recycling Officer Louise, um, she had some great tips and requests um, about disposing of batteries, compostable cups and barbecue. So head over to radioverilum.com forward slash podcast to listen to her at your leisure. In fact, you can listen now to any edition of Environment Matters by going to radioverilum.com forward slash podcasts. And you can also subscribe to the weekly Environment Matters podcast through your favourite podcast provider. Do follow me on Twitter at RV underscore environment, like the Environment Matters Facebook page, or you can drop me a line on amanda at radioverilum.com if you've got a comment about the show or ideas that you'd like me to cover. I'm going to be back at the same time next week. Until then, thank you for listening.